0: I get high all the time. No, not from any substances. I've actually never done any drugs, which is really interesting. It was, you know, something that my father basically ingrained in me. And then when I worked at NSA, I just kind of like missed the boat on trying all of those fun things. But I start this way because I want to tell you that I get high when I see an advertisement that hits me in just the right spot. Uh Oh, I know I'm wired very differently. I promise I'm a phenomenal party guest but like car commercials that align with my personal values or a soft drink ad that makes my mouth water, there's nothing putting a damper more on that high than when I actually try the product and it fails to meet those expectations. Oh. In B2B SaaS, we promise experiences all the time. And when we can't deliver on those experiences, that sour taste builds up and ultimately can destroy our companies. So the challenge becomes hyping the product, whether through marketing, sales, onboarding, et cetera, and ensuring the experience matches those expectations. You've tried sales-led and marketing-led growth, but have you ever tried PLG, product-led growth? Today's guest, Wes Bush, literally wrote the book on product-led growth. We were fortunate enough to get a chance to speak with him a couple years ago at a talk moderated by paddle's very own peter zotto they go into detail on how this process works and what you can do to implement it in your business and all of that and more coming up next from paddle it's protect the hustle where we explore the truth behind the strategy and tactics of b2b SaaS growth to make you an outstanding operator On today's episode, Wes Bush dives deep on product-led growth. We talk about aligning your business with how customers buy, how to implement product-qualified leads, the stages of product-led growth, how to measure success, and simplifying onboarding. After you finish the episode, check out the show notes for an in-depth field guide focused on everything that we went over.
1: Super excited. Wes, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Right off the bat, man, you are from Toronto, Canada, home of the world champion Toronto Raptors. Correct. How do you feel? How do you feel now that Kawhi is gone? I'm honestly the worst at sports. I find it so oh, no. boring. Oh, I'm it's so like sorry. It's like the
2: most boring thing to me is watching someone on a screen.
1: You're talking to the wrong guy because <laughs> I live for the NBA, but duly noted. So we're going to skip that altogether. But you are from Toronto. We're in Dublin today. Yes. Thank you for hanging out. You're the Product-led growth god, is that fair? I'd say it's fair. Take it, right? Sure. Okay, cool. So let's just kind of get into it, right? Because people talk a lot about product-led growth. I want to know what is it, why is it so important, what we should be doing to get into product-led growth, but yeah. let's, start, let's start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about PLG.
2: Yeah, so to me, product-led growth is its nothing new. Like, we look at the products we buy day to day, and there's a lot of them. Like, if we look at something we buy, like mm-hmm. cologne, Well, we're going to try the piece of cologne, see if it's nice, smells nice. What does it feel like whenever we wear it? Do we feel more confident? And all these other things. We want to try it. And then we can make an educated decision on if we should actually buy this product. And so it's taken a while for software companies to actually realize that. like It's part of the way we want to buy products. We want to actually try it. And once we do that, we have a much better idea of, is this actually a good fit for me? Should I invest the time, invest the money in actually using this product? So to me, product-led growth is nothing new, but it's just really aligning your business with the way that people actually like buying.
1: Does product-led growth replace this sort of maybe outdated concept of marketing-qualified leads, sales-qualified leads, and sort of managing those leads in a different manner?
2: So I think you can definitely still use like marketing-qualified leads, in your business, but what's often coming a lot more important for businesses is the product qualify lead. And so that is really when you use your product to qualify people by, let's say, if we're using a company like Drift, that we all know, live live chat software. So if you have a certain amount of conversations on that product, well, you're actually a qualified lead. You have understood the value of the product and whenever sales reaches out, it's so much more likely that they'll convert because they know the value prop. And the reason product-led growth works is because on your website you have the like promised value, the perceived value of the product. But then whenever people sign up, there's the experienced value. And so if that lines up, you have a potential buyer in your hands.
1: I don't know if I've heard the concept of experienced value like in, in my day-to-day, but is there a way, is there a KPI that you measure specifically for that or a way that you could track that internally?
2: Yeah, so that's best tracked through product qualified leads. So if you set up protocol for leads right, it's really just understanding, okay, what does success look like for our user? If someone does X specific outcome, are they actually experiencing the value of the product? And the reason why product qualified leads are becoming a really important metric for SaaS companies as a whole to focus in on is really because it just is focusing on how can we get that user who just signed up for our product to become successful. And that's why product-led growth is taken up because it's all really about helping people become successful.
1: just fall into product-led growth, right? You have a background. Tell us, like, how did you get into where you are today? What's your background?
2: Yes, so the, nothing gets me more fascinated than demand. Okay. And the fact that if you can create demands for any kind of business, it is just so powerful. You can create any kind of business you want. And so I fell into product-led growth because I came from a demand-gen background. And so I was spending a ton of money on all these traditional kind of marketing playbooks, and I, I just realized, I'm like, I'm doing the same thing as everyone else here. But then whenever we launched a Freeman product, I saw that, wow, like your product is your customer acquisition model and it can be extremely powerful for generating more users who eventually can turn into paying customers. But if you ask me, like, should I use a white paper, your product? It's gonna be the product.
1: Oh wait, so you just said folks can eventually turn into customers. Does that mean that companies that excel at product-led growth, or if you want to be in product-led growth, you need to have like a freemium play, or how should I think about that as somebody who may want to set up a PLG-type system?
2: Yeah, so I think there's definitely a a difference between being product-led and using product-led growth for your business. Now, product-led growth is really when you're using your product to grow your business. So whether you have a free trial, freemium model, you're using that as a lever to grow your business. Whereas being product-led is really just looking at your business as a whole and saying, how can we use our product to build a better business? Should we use um, this specific feature to grow our customer acquisition model. So for me, it's, it's definitely a little bit different, but you can use product-led growth uh, as a core lever in growing your business, and why wouldn't you?
1: Why wouldn't you? Cool, okay, so, so now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about sort of some specifics. Talk to me, are there companies that are doing product-led growth? You mentioned Drift a moment ago. Shout out to another Boston company like ProfitWell, which is pretty cool. Drift is relatively new on the scene, right? They're a couple years old. Maybe it was a bit easier for them to start being product-led growth. Are right. there companies that are not, you're seeing that have been around for a while transition to product-led growth? And, and what are the perhaps the hurdles and those folks that need to look out for that anybody yeah. else in here that may want to know, like, hey, what do I need to look out that's gonna be a gap or gonna be a hurdle for me to get over when, when I get into PLG? Yeah,
2: so it's a really big problem for a lot of companies, especially when you get to a bigger scale, like some of the companies I work with, they're at, you know, thousand plus employees and they're looking at product-led growth and they see that it is a powerful customer acquisition model and they're like, we, we want to piece of that pie. You know, we're spending a ton of money on getting every single customer coming through. Could we lower that by using our product? And so for those companies to actually kind of transition into product-led growth as a core lever of growing that business is not just like,
1: doesn't there, happen There overnight. we go.
2: We're, we're product-led tomorrow, here's a free trial, I'll just go to that experience. It is in stages. So what I've seen some companies do that's really smart, if you want to get kind of a first taste test of what it will look like, you can use super simple A-B testing tools to so just say like, Let's show 2% of our website visitors that we have a free trial. Let's take maybe 10 people a week through a free trial experience. We'll onboard them one-on-one. We just want to see how they use the product, how they become successful. And as you're going through them in that whole process, you really get to learn, like, you know, maybe we we just say our product's easy to use. I mean, it's like one of the most common call to actions for so many SaaS companies. But then as soon as you see people using it, they're rolling their eyes like, man, this is hard.
1: It turns <laughs> out the integration is never as easy as they say it is, right? Exactly. It's not as cheap as they say it is. Okay, cool. And, and from a tactical perspective, when you see and you've seen inside a ton of different orgs that are trying to leverage product-led growth, do you find that it's a demand-gen person or maybe historically a demand-gen person that owns this sort of this job or like how do you hire for product-led growth folks? How do you see that in an organization? Do they bubble up to product, to marketing, et cetera?
2: Yeah, so it's really split between product and marketing folks. The marketers are looking at how I can use this product to really get people in the funnel and seeing success. Whereas a lot of the product folks come from a, from a different lens of just, you know, we, we created this amazing product, nobody's using it, what's going on there? And so there's really not a lot of insight, or at least there hasn't been a lot of insight for product folks in terms of the data, of just what should we pay attention to? And so what's really cool to see is there's a lot more companies that are coming up and making it so much easier to really democratize that information and see, you know, some features are really powerful for growing your customer acquisition model while others they are the ones that keep them coming back again and again so i think for that question of where does this lie is it product or marketing i think it's going to be a new role
1: i heard last night somebody talking about customer success led growth and i have not heard about that or this is new to me and obviously post-conversion into a paid customer, and as you think about land and ex- expanding a, a, yeah. an opportunity, is this something that also takes into account the idea of product-led growth, or is this something that I'm, you know, is Sort of crazy talk. Tell me about like customer success's role in this in any way, shape, or form.
2: Yeah, so I see customer success as it's a perfect part of product-led growth. Like the ultimate goal of a product-led business is not so someone signs up for the product, they don't see any success. Like that would just be terrible. Yeah. And so it has to be baked into so many different roles. For instance, a lot of product-led companies, whenever it comes from the marketing department, they're looking at like from a quantity metric, signups. But then from a quality metric, like how many product call leads do we have? How many people are actually seeing success in the product? So I think the role of customer success is going to change a lot in terms of who really owns that. I think a lot more people have to share that burden of saying, you know, marketing has to have a say in who they bring in, because if they bring in the wrong people, customer success is going to have a hard time.
1: (laughs) This is true. Okay, cool. And you you've quite literally written the book on product-led growth. I want to talk about that for a second. So that's pretty cool. Not a lot of people can say, hey, like, I'm kind of a big deal, right? I have a book. I'm
2: not a big deal. Well,
1: um, I see you have a bunch of good reviews on Amazon, so you gotta be doing something right. But tell us or tell me, what was that like? What was the process like to actually write a book? How did you get that done? So
2: I think there's definitely a few reasons why you would wanna write a book, but the main one for me was just clarity. And if you want to really understand a topic better than anyone else, write a book it is the the best way to do it even in like your own role for pricing or anything like you have written tons of stuff on this topic and it just clarifies it. you can really frame your minds around what this topic is, how you can get the most out of it and how you can actually simplify it. That's probably the best part about it.
1: Cool and did you were there other folks to, in all honesty I have not read the book? It's on my list. But were there other folks that you worked with to get this thing done? Like, was it a solo project that you spent hours grueling over, weeks, months, years grueling over? Or did you say, hey, I want to do this, and here's the path I'm going to do it? Tell me a little bit about the, the collaboration, if any, at all.
2: Yeah, so the book itself took about seven months. And I think you'd be crazy. To do it all on your own, like in terms of the writing, I did all that. But in terms of like, you need someone to edit it, and not just like a normal editor. Like I need someone to do grammar. You also need someone to call you out on your specific topic, who actually knows that topic of product-led growth or even conversion rate optimization, to actually tell you, you know what, you didn't actually cover that topic that well, and you need that person to like in any kind of role, even in your business, you need someone to challenge you, and so I think probably that's the most important person to have if you're gonna write a book, is someone who cares about the topic enough to call you out on it.
1: So so interesting enough, right, like, given that this is somewhat of a nascent way of thinking about things, yeah. even if it's been in vogue for a couple years now, who was the person that helped you edit the book that could call you out and say, hey, look, I know this is wrong, or I know this isn't enough of a, of a factual component to drive this paragraph home?
2: Yeah, so the way I found my editor, I I did a bunch of guest blog posts, and then eventually I found one guy where whenever I got the article back, I was like, I read it, I'm like, wow, (laughs) you're incredible. Like, he didn't change really what I said, it was just, I don't know, some people can reframe the way you say things, and it just makes a much bigger impact. So I think, yeah, finding it is not just like, let me go to, I don't know, Fiverr, like, terrible example, but...
1: <laughs> that's where we did one of our first logos that's still in existence, so it, hey, it worked for us. It can work. Yeah, I think you just have to sort
2: through a bunch more people.
1: We're at Sastop. we're in Dublin. You're here talking to a lot of folks what are some of the companies that you've seen here that are either sponsoring or presenting or just sort of about the town that are doing product-led growth really well and maybe give us some examples as to why.
2: So I think here specifically, there's a lot of companies that are tackling product-led growth in different ways. Like you need product analytics. You need some in-app guidance to really help people uh, through the product and get to those success moments quicker. You also need something like, whether it's Intercom or something, to really kind of, tell people okay like you're off track or maybe we need to tell you about a new feature and explain some things better because our product isn't just talking to users you have to do a lot of those outreaches on your own and so I think in terms of what you really need there's three things if you're gonna really own your onboarding and help users become successful um, the first thing is really you need that straight line onboarding experience and that's really it sounds interesting but you really just need to cut out every single step in your onboarding that doesn't help people get towards
1: success. Ooh, let's hold on for that for a second. I feel like there's a lot of software companies, pro- probably profit well included in this, that add a lot of steps that we think are adding yeah. value. What are some of the obvious ones that you're like, listen, you just got to throw that away immediately? And it, that may not be obvious, right? It may be different yeah. for every company, but are there some like 80% of the companies I work with are doing X? So the
2: one I will always say is the email activation step. I can tell every single SaaS company here if you want to sometimes increase your MRR by sometimes 5 to up to 20% MRR I'm talking like a big jump just take away that email activation step. If you think about it, from a friction perspective, I sign up for your product, I immediately have to go to my email, which is the worst thing ever because there's so many other distracting priorities there. I'm gonna see something else, probably more important than confirm your email button. And so many companies, right off the bat, will lose 10 to 30% of their users who just don't do that step. And if you don't believe me, check your product analytics because it will most likely be pretty similar to that.
1: that's wild we do that so that's something that we should oh probably talk to patrick about <laughs> at some point or neil i don't know if neil's around we're t- obviously talking about a lot of b2b companies you mentioned sure. cologne right like earlier when we started talking like hey when you walk into a mall and they spray you with cologne and you you smell it like how does that make you feel and eventually maybe you come and buy it yeah. are there are there great b2c companies out there that are doing this you know whether it's subscription box of the month clubs or you know maybe retail brick and mortar gyms, et cetera. What are some examples of folks that are doing it well there?
2: So I think whenever it comes to product led growth, B2C has already been doing this for years and they've really been leading the charge. And that's why I think for B2B, it's just really a no-brainer for product-led growth because we are so used to really just experiencing the product, getting to see what it is all about very quickly from a mobile app. Even if you think of like social media as something not typically related to like, oh, it's an application. You sign up, you hopefully get value, might connect with one friend or something that's useful for you, and then you have a reason to come back. And so in B2B, that's exactly what it is. The whole onboarding experience is once someone first signs up, you really have to set that trigger to give them something useful, or at least maybe set them up for success, can profit well, like in like integrate with one of your payment processors and so the next time you log in you actually see dashboards that are relevant to you something interesting maybe how to tackle your churn better and that is exactly what you want to do
1: hmm so there's been this like sort of bruhaha in the perhaps the echo chamber outside of silicon valley about like the dopamine hits within certain social apps yeah. right and i like i don't know if this is somewhat tangentially related to what you're talking about but i feel like Can you overboard on giving people the rush of, oh, "Oh, there's another notification, I gotta check this thing, (laughs) right? Does that have any place into what we're talking about at all?
2: Yeah, so I think it's so easy for so many companies to like overboard. And that often looks like this example. So essentially you'll sign up for the product and then someone will say, here's a tool tip okay, go check out this feature, and then it takes you to another part of the product, and then another product, another product, and it just takes you through the entire suite of products, especially if it's a big multi-product one. You often see it in that circumstance. And so it does nothing. It just walks me through the entire product at the very end of that walkthrough, I am nowhere closer to actually solving my problem, and I've wasted 20 minutes.
1: Probably frustrated, right, you're gonna turn off.
2: Exactly, and so I think so many companies are, they try and treat onboarding like a one-trick pony, and it's not that case. It's like that first user, you probably maybe have less than five minutes, oftentimes a lot less. And so what are you gonna do in that first five minutes? And then the second time they come back, maybe what does that next action look like? And so you're really trying to lock in your triggers. So for instance, like your profit wall, like okay, that first time someone signs up, we want them to integrate. Second time, they're gonna see a report that's useful. Third time, maybe it's actually tackling their churn or setting something up to send emails to delinquent churn people. And so that's like the progression, but a lot of people just treat it as like, we got you, we got you now let's let's do everything (laughs) yeah
1: this is true for like i feel like most sales cycles too right like oh hey i get on a demo with somebody and like the last thing that i want as a potential buyer is you to tell me about every single feature you have but this is sort of traditionally what folks do right and then i get frustrated and i leave what i'd really rather you you do is hey listen to my problem tell me about the features that perhaps correspond to value and solving that problem and then we can move to the next step which is sort of sounds like this
0: A huge shout out for Wes for coming on the pod. Now you know all about product-led growth. Today, we talked about aligning your business with how customers buy, how to implement product-qualified leads, the stages of product-led growth, how to measure success, and simplifying onboarding. Oh, and if you want to support Paddle and the show, we would greatly appreciate it if you leave a five-star review of the podcast or the equivalent rating wherever you listen or watch the podcast gods tend to like that type of thing and we like to appease the podcast gods. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to and tell your friends about Protect the Hustle, a podcast from Paddle Recur, the largest, fastest growing media network dedicated to the world of subscriptions.